0: What does it look like when someone's healthy with implants? I think that that process is dependent on your body's ability to make nice scar tissue capsule around your breast implant. Mm -hmm. That's the basis of my patent for this formula is Mm -hmm. creating a nice scar tissue capsule. And like with anything in the body, like an overreaction is a negative outcome and an underreaction is a negative outcome. So we're thinking about balance.
1: Welcome to the Dr. Joy Kong podcast. This is where I have a chance to share with you some of the latest developments in the space of holistic health, longevity, and wellness. I've always honored intellectual curiosity and scientific rigor, combined with real world practicality. My goal is that what you learn here will help you live longer and live better. Hope you enjoy the journey with me. Welcome to the Dr. Joy Kong podcast. And today's content is really, really interesting because I have Dr. Katie Seuss here with us. And we're going to talk about the health of women who've had breast implants. So anyhow, so if found if you found this content interesting and you enjoyed listening to this channel, please subscribe to Joy Kong MD uh, YouTube channel. And uh, now we're going to get into it. So, so
0: Dr. Kate. Hi, Dr. Joy. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here at your beautiful clinic and studio. It's it's a really great, it's a great, every time I come here, I experience some sort of great healing or fun oh, time.
1: I'm so glad. I'm so <laughs> glad. And you are a fountain of knowledge and you're very passionate about what you do. And you actually have come up with this innovative formula to help women. So maybe tell us a little bit about what you think about breast implants. What are the issues and and how you've come to design something to help women Who have implants.
0: Okay, so I started this journey as a person who had breast implants, who was experiencing a tremendous amount of symptoms and negative health symptoms, and was very unclear why. And I went to a lot of different types of doctors. This was many years ago now. And I ended up eventually figuring out that breast implants were a big problem for my body. And then when I ended up removing my implants through the correct uh, type of surgery on block capsulectomy... Uh, my breast implants were very sticky to the touch and they were uh, exhibiting what we call gel bleed. Or So it's sort of a, similar to a rupture, except it doesn't really, it's not a full-on rupture where the silicone has moved and migrated, but it's bleeding out its contents. And, and it, additionally, I had very thin scar tissue capsule, which is the protective collagen scar tissue that your body makes around any device that you put inside of it. I had very tiny paper-thin capsules. So, uh, you know... The, the likelihood is that the immune system is getting in through those thin capsules and pulling off little pieces of the implant, which is responsible for the jaw bleed. Nonetheless, mm. I was, you know, riddled with health health symptoms and. You know, I've seen autopsies of women who had severe jaw bleed and severe rupture, and we found microsilicone in all the organs of those patients in the autopsies, like in the brain and the organs. Did they die
1: from the breast implants? It's unclear,
0: but there's a few case studies that I can send you. They're really interesting. The point is just to see that this microsilicone can move through the whole body and... I have no way of verifying if that's the case in my body, if there's microsilicone in my brain. But, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking about the way we're thinking about toxicity in that way. So so early in my career, I was really focused on helping women, first of all, learn about the possible possibility that breast implants could be the underlying problem in their health crisis or chronic health issues or even the underlying trigger for an autoimmune disease. Um, And then I started moving into helping women who had ex-planted but were still experiencing health problems. And then I moved now into this new space of trying to figure out uh, a way to compromise and meet people where they are because I've met a lot of people who do not want to get rid of their breast implants, no matter what I tell them. (laughs) And a lot of people who are committed to augmenting. So I started to embrace a new approach to beauty, and I have a kind of whole new perspective on it. That
1: is- <laughs> you were trying to get everybody to take out their implants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was. <laughs> you're like you know you're like oh. <laughs> yeah right exactly right right good luck. Um, so 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 uh, you were been trained in chiropractic school, yes. right? Yes. And then
0: was that when you got the implant? No, so I had breast implants prior to chiropractic school. Okay. I started suffering severe health issues right about 9 months after getting breast implants and my primary problems were musculoskeletal problems, like severe pain and fatigue in the in the muscles and joints. So, I started researching health programs and uh, I I really thought I knew nothing about health and I thought chiropractic school is where you learn everything about muscles and joints and that's my primary issue so I'm going to go to that program and then when I got into the program I quickly realized that those interventions didn't help my pain at all like it Mm. made no and and then I was watching people around me with pain getting adjusted and getting acupuncture and learning about muscle patterns and they were getting out of pain so it was really confusing and um, luckily, within my program, there are a lot of people doing functional medicine and training people on basically internal medicine. Uh, there's a program within chiropractic called Chiropractic Internist, which is basically internal medicine study and learning about the metabolic causes of pain. And I started learning that there's many different pathways for pain related to blood sugar and diabetes and inflammation and gut health and, you know, parasitic infections and, um, you know, more things that are not coming to mind right now. And then, lo and behold, of mm-hmm. course, like the exposure to toxic chemicals like mercury and how mercury affects the nervous system and the nerves that come out of the, the you know, the brain and the spinal cord, you know, uh, so, so yeah, so uh, over time studying the biochemistry of toxicokinetics and, and understanding the ingredients in pharmaceutical grade silicone that include, you know, mercury and lead and arsenic and platinum, and aluminum and, other and other a lot of chemicals so
1: yeah are are these chemicals contained in the silicone or 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 silicone is completely different set
0: of chemicals yeah no those are all contained in the silicone so why would they put those chemicals in the silicone right it's a good question so the best answer i could say is because in the 90s we had a lot of problems with silicone being migratory and in my naive understanding of silicone in the early days, I thought silicone was similar to silica, which is similar to sand, and I thought it was like a natural thing. And that's mm. probably oh, well, that's why this medical device is made out of that because it's natural, right? Because mm. that's our uh, we just assume that they would think that way. <laughs> but uh, really, I think what was happening was there was a big problem in the '90s with silicone breaking apart, and it would you know move down the rib cage, and so there's a huge lawsuit. Um, that Dow Corning, which is the manufacturer of silicone, lost the lawsuit, and there was a lot of money paid out to women, and the FDA pulled sil- silicone-filled implants from the market in, mm-hmm. in 92, believe it was 92. And... After many, like a couple decades, uh, two companies did reformulation of their implants mm-hmm. and their primary thing was to show cohesiveness. So they showed the FDA and, and even consumers like, look, you can run this implant over with a car and it won't break apart because in, in their perspective, that was all that mattered was the cohesiveness. So mm-hmm. I think that that created the need for more chemicals in the formulation and I see. Without Without tinkering with it. Yeah. Without. So, so yeah, I don't think they're rupturing like they used to, but I I know that I know they're not rupturing like they used to, but now we're seeing kind of a rise of other types of issues Hmm. and it parallels with our world becoming more toxic, right? So we're seeing more pollution and more gene degradation through the generations, right? As as being children born of parents exposed to chemicals. And so it's, it's not really good. So nowadays,
1: I mean, breast implants has been a highly, you know, a popular procedure. And what's the proximate number per year of women actually undergoing the procedure?
0: So the actually the amount has gone down in the last few years, but the trend in silicone over twenty years is like very like rising. I mean, I think thirty percent over. Don't quote me on that, but roughly three hundred fifty to five hundred thousand women get breast implants in the United States per year. And that does not include other types of silicone devices like butt implants and chin and jaw and, I see uh, peck and denial,
1: right, right. you know, that's a thing. Oh, and, Boy. Yeah. So the product you designed really is helping all these implants, right? Yeah,
0: I hope that anyone who has a silicone device in their body will consider this formula. It's an augment to silicone devices, but my primary focus is breast implants because that's yeah, where, you know, that was like my foundation story and also I think it's the most popular cosmetic surgery as far as silicone devices. Yeah, do you have a sense of the how many women that
1: got a silicone implant breast implant actually have had
0: issues? Well, I can tell you that there are, you know, in recent years, there have been releases of suppressed state like complaints and reports that were given to companies and the FDA, there had been some suppression and there was a whistleblower. And there's now archives of these, like, you know, just tons and tons and tons of reports and complaints that were kind of like not acknowledged. But the FDA has done a really good job. Um, in, in the fall of last year, they issued new informed consent for surgeons that is like alerting them, women to, or, who, you know, people who got implants about the safety concerns so that they can, you know, consent to them up front. Uh, this has been because women who are not really being counted are coming forward, like vocally on social media and through advocacy groups, because we, you know, we don't have, we don't really have a system in place to track systemic health concerns, because for decades, the medical community has been, uh, you know, suppressing the idea that that's even and they still are. They're still suppressing the idea that that's even possible. So if they're denying that something is possible, there's no system to track it, which is a big problem. Right. 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 Um, and the safety studies were never finished. So the companies that presented to the FDA in 2005 or six and got their p- approval, the FDA asked them to finish these studies that were supposed to be 10-year studies. They were three-year studies, so they had started. And they were supposed to follow the FDA study design, which had been a big failure in the 90s. It wasn't followed. So the FDA was really trying, I believe. But there was not any follow-up. And so the studies were not finished. And now I think that they've been asked to finish. So I'm hoping that that happens okay yeah
1: yeah yeah so what are the range uh it was the range of symptoms that you have you know you have studied and found that people you know can maybe a lot of people are experiencing symptoms
0: they have no idea it might be related to the implant absolutely so it's a really complex question to answer because in essence we're talking about a person's body's response to basically a a a negative epigenetic environment. So, and I think you know, we you can relate because you, you you're like one of the healthy. Your lifestyle is one of the cleanest of anyone I know. Like you don't drink alcohol. You know, you're <laughs> doing stem cells regularly. I <laughs> really just yeah, start a little just, bit. Just you you're know, there?
1: for the mental health aspect, okay, okay. right?
0: But you know, community. <laughs> but you, you could talk. And I'm sure you have talked about this when yes. someone is participating in negative habits you know, it's, it can change the way their genes are expressing themselves. And sometimes a disease process that wouldn't manifest for it's later in life can manifest earlier. So when you have kind of this clouded internal environment that's caused by an onslaught of toxins, 24 hours Mm. a day, seven days a week, and your body is not getting a break, it's sort of like up to your own body, what it's going to look like, how it's going to manifest. And, and so that could be a little confusing for a clinician to understand. Right. Clinicians looking at a patient and seeing, okay, well, you have a family history of XYZ and you're manifesting it's kind of, you're kind of yeah. young to be manifesting this. Okay. Um, but I can say across the board, there are commonalities. Like we're looking at cases of fibromyalgia in the absence of um, joint, like an obvious joint connective tissue autoimmunity. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they look for those markers and don't find it. Yet the patient has fibromyalgia. So sort of like, well, okay. what's the cause? right? Um, things like an auto joint and other types of autoimmunity. Uh, anytime a foreign object is put in the body, it can be a trigger for an autoimmune process, Like right? So um, we're also thinking about swelling and brain fog, which is related to gut health, which goes back to the liver and the pathways and the ability to kind of detox these things out. Um, uh, in my case, I had a lot of just pain and I personally feel that when people have pre-existing heavy metal toxicity, which may or may not be um, causing symptoms, but then they, you know, put in another like another thing like breast, breast implants that can be, you know, another another toxic burden on what's an already burdened system. I think that that's when things can really start to manifest, like in the true nature of that in- initial heavy metal. Like in the case of mercury, it, it's like a central nervous system you know, attacker. So it can look like hyperreflexia, it can look like MS in the absence of finding MS, things like that. Hmm. So you had pretty drastic reaction to the implant,
1: right? So it's possible a lot of women may have mild symptoms and they, they, they can't attribute
0: to that. But have you seen other drastic cases Oh yeah, absolutely. I've seen like an entire spectrum of response and I've seen everything from like people who are completely bed bound that are, are, you know, look like a chronic fatigue syndrome patient and people who were like, think, thought that they felt great and just removed their implants because they heard they had chemicals and then experienced like a massive kind of like inflammatory, de-inflammatory process where they just looked way better than they did before, like aesthetically, and looked thinner. And like I one of my close friends actually ended up explaining because of what I went through. And then she just lost a lot of weight. And she thought it was like weight she had from having a baby. And thought it was just like, oh, this is baby weight. And then as soon as she explanted, she's just like, hmm. Uh now it's interesting because we're segueing into like what does it look like when someone's healthy with implants? And do you have to If you have implants, you know, do you have to have symptoms even if you're aware or not aware? Right. And I get it, right? So, so, you know, I think that the answer is that there is a possibility that you could be healthy with breast implants. I think that that process is dependent on your body's ability to make nice scar tissue capsule around your breast implant. Mm -hmm. That's the basis of my patent for this formula is Mm -hmm. creating a nice scar tissue capsule. In plastic surgery, they talk a lot about... The antithesis of of a good outcome is that capsular contracture where it's, like, too thick and hard and it pulls the – and that's, like, what they really worry about. Right. And, like, with anything in the body, like, an overreaction is a negative outcome and an underreaction is a negative outcome. So we're thinking about balance – uh, I see. I've yeah. definitely
1: seen women with contractures and it's not pretty and they have to go back under the knife to correct that. Right. So, so you're saying that the formula you've designed is possible to prevent the, the over-encapsulation or, or connect tissue formation so, and under.
0: So I would say that this formula supports a healthy scar tissue formation, which okay. includes balance. So preventing is the role of a drug right so, um, so, okay.
1: so treading but, on, but well, yes. cautiously, cautiously yeah.
0: you know as a physician that recommends this formula you can talk about the micro like the chemistry as like what these ingredients do in the research i don't really have that luxury as a vendor um but i can educate doctors and you know so <laughs> Yeah, so so how long ago did you start to work on this formula? Yeah, so I say my my R and D cycle is six years because okay. I go back to like the day my first day of being sick, but uh, you know, really about a year for developing the formula and I just launched it a couple months ago and Yeah, we're essentially a startup, but it is for sale online. And I hope to one day have it in surgeons offices so that they can, you know, recommend it to all of their patients that get implants so that, you know, they can support them uh, well through that process and sort of enhance the the patients experience with silicone devices. I see. So how many ingredients is are in your formula? You know, I don't know how many. I've never counted. Them. <laughs> I have a, a bunch of spreadsheets at home because I kept taking things off and putting things on, and then I would be like, oh, I'm going to add this in to support the cofactor of this ingredient. Um, but basically, there's three. There's three blends. Like one is a collagen blend. So. The intention is to support that capsule formation. It does it in a unique way. Mm-hmm. It's actually supporting the process in which our body, when it secretes histamine, can break down collagen. So it's sort of supporting the histamine pathway to to prevent the breakdown of excess collagen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, and so the- that supports the capsule the integrity exactly like, and and another great side effect of supporting the collagen pathway is that it can be in a way like a beauty supplement so a lot of people who have taken it have called me and said that they feel like their skin looks tighter that they, you know they are seeing cosmetic beauty effects if they have flushing as an issue which is a con- can be a consequence of excess histamine, they're seeing a dampening of that redness, okay. um, which is kind of cool. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that happens in the gut related to histamine, so it's not uncommon to experience um, gut change, like you know, positive gut motility changes. Um, none of those are in my claims, although I might, uh, down the line, look into trying to figure out if I can structure claims like that. It's just claims are complicated. So that just from helping the connective tissue? It's from it's from working on histamine, basically. It's okay. from It's from supporting the MMP9 pathway. I see. So that's one sleeve. Um, the, the other sleeve is supporting detox. So um, this is in no way... A product that is uh, pushing detox or enhancing conjugation, like you might see detox formulas on the market, like milk thistle and things like that. It's nothing like that at all. It's more just if there's common genetic mutations, like on B12 and B9, um, I've included the the active form of those B vitamins so that, you know, uh, they're kind of like the quarterback of detox. So if you're not converting and that people, about 75% of the population have um, mutations on those on those enzymes that convert B12. So you consume it, but it doesn't ever make it into methylcobalamin, right, or methylmalonic acid. And uh, we, uh, we then we just don't, we just have compromised abilities. So I added the, the, the downstream form. And then I also included things like calcium D-glucrate, which helps to perfect. So when you have exposure to xenoestrogens or chemicals in the environment, that act like estrogen, which is a negative outcome that can lead to all sorts of things like breast cancer and um, estrogen dominance. And so, you know, people with chronicity, they tend to have this gut dysbiosis where they end up with excess of beta-glucuronidase, which is the enzyme that you basically, your liver goes through all this work to wrap up the, the, you know, bad estrogens, puts them into bile to, you know, eliminate, and then the the enzymes in the gut then just unwrap them and put them back in the bloodstream. Mm. So... We don't want that, so I put um, calcium D which helps to support uh, dampening beta-glucuronidase so we can eliminate those xenoestrogen chemicals. So, what did the what do the xenoestrogens do when it's related to breast implants? Yeah, so so whether you're getting toxins from the environment or outside of you, or from the internal environment, uh, you know, by having devices you're going to need to be able to support the elimination of xenoestrogens. Xenoestrogens act like estrogen and they can cause imbalance in your entire hormone pathway. Right. So, and I'm sure you can speak to estrogen dominance and why that's not ideal, but, but most people know a little bit nowadays, that's like a common thing, right? Estrogen dominance, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so it helps balance the body in general, uh, but does it do anything specifically for the breast implants so what it's doing is so like let's say that your body like you have the silicone devices in your body and your your immune system is pulling off tiny pieces of silicone like mm. and mobilizing them. Um, they're going to go to the liver so that they can be eliminated. And, uh, if you if you have flora imbalance such that beta glucuronidase is prevalent, which is very common, uh, you're going to unwrap those you're going to have the potential to unwrap those xenoestrogens and put them back into circulation. So it's like a big, vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. So when we look at diseases long-term like breast cancer and we look at the role of xenoestrogen chemicals in breast, implant, uh, breast uh, cancer, mm-hmm. we see like like there's studies showing uh, calcium deglucrate in conjunction with vitamin A is 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 helping in the prevention of that particular type of cancer. Um, so that's just like a relationship. I'm in no way like relating my formula to to cancer, but... Uh, mm-hmm. but that's like one example of how chemicals, um, can be, you know, uh, uh dampened, right? So we can help. So when you, when you add calcium, and vitamin A together, they're going to, uh, prevent the unwrapping of chemical estrogen so they can be eliminated. Okay. 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 This round roundup Sorry, is a long-winded explanation. Let <laughs> <laughs> me drink some tea. Yeah. So, uh, you
1: said there, there's three main, uh, blends, right? There's one more that we haven't. yet. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the third is is supporting the immune system. So okay. going back to you know the early days where we're looking at autoimmunity related to silicone devices, even though this is still a I for the for the life of me don't understand uh, how people can still say that it's not an obvious like relationship. But you know there's still people who say that a lifestyle autoimmune disease is not necessarily attributed to a trigger like silicone or a foreign device, but In my clinical opinion, it's an obvious relationship that it can turn on an autoimmune process. But there's things that we know about autoimmunity that like people who are missing certain key nutrients in their diet or because they're not absorbing it, they're more likely to have a dysregulated immune system that's going to lead to turning on an autoimmune process. So mm-hmm. we look at the T regulatory system and the glutathione system and its relationship to basically like saying yes or no when the body presents self tissue as antigen. So when the body is saying, like, hey, like this little piece of your of your joint, we think it's a, a, a bad thing that should be attacked. And then if the if the T cells are agreeing, and like the T regulatory cells, which are policing the T helper cells, if they're if they're not like really fostered by glutamine and vitamin C and um the the, the substrates that recycle glutathione, right? If that system is is not nourished, then that body is going to be more likely to agree and say that is a pathogen, attack it. And the next thing you know, you're like attacking your body, right? So I just wanted to make sure that everyone had all of those raw materials. And mm-hmm. that's what the immune sleeve looks like.
1: Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so I'm sure you've have uh, you know heard some
0: stories of what people how how they did after they took your product. Yeah, so we're collecting that data now and I've yeah. had great yeah, I've had great feedback and I you know look forward to having more formal um questionnaires in the future that can really show the benefit outside of just like raving about it and saying everyone says it's great
1: you know well we heard from our office manager yeah yeah. she had some kind of a
0: histamine Mm -hmm. reaction right Retinous of skin and that really helped calm that down so she's an example of someone who doesn't have silicone devices but when i was talking to her about what the formula did she resonated with a lot of the things so again we're talking about exposures to chemicals which a lot of people are getting right whether they have silicone devices in their body or they're getting it from you know the la air or or the myriad of Places that we can get exposed now, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think would be a good segue into talking about my favorite topic, which is re- regeneration, yes, right? Yes. After exposures, because we're talking about you know uh, supporting the body, but but what happens when you need more than support? What happens when you need to regenerate? And that's where you come in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So you have come to our clinic for some regeneration. Yeah. What What are your thoughts about? you know, stem cells and, and, uh, exosomes, you know, to help you,
0: I guess, achieve a better state. Yeah. So I was really just blown away. Like the first time we did stem cells, I had no idea that they were going to be so powerful. And I was, to be honest, skeptical. And I think like we, even when I interviewed you in 2019 or 20, no, it was 20, I think I was still, I was reverberating some of the kind of criticisms I'd heard about stem cell therapy And you were talking about those things really articulately. And I was, you know, I had heard things and listened to podcasts and heard about the bad players, right? And so when we finally came around, and, you know, to be honest, like stem cell therapy is expensive. So when people go out on a limb to pay for an expensive therapy and then they're like, not sure, right? That's hard to mitigate. So every time I talk about your work, I'm always saying like, you know, like her her supply chain, it's on like completely managed. Like you have everything from like the infancy in the lab and like you're just completely in control of the process with that like integrity and you know um, understanding of the quality. So that's so great, right? Yeah, I mean the, the problem with the regenerative
1: medicine field, I think, you know, a lot of people the public may not know because there's so much money involved. So every actor is coming in. Um, It's like a fly, you know, they, they just, they all want a piece. And so many of the people who are in the field are really paying attention for the, to the profit. That's number one above anything else. And the efficacy and the science comes way below. So whatever people can do to maximize the profit, that's what they were doing. And then when I discovered that's what's going on, that's when I decided, okay, I have to be on the business side of this so that I can you know, really have control of the quality of the product. And And set a standard. Right. And also use the science. And because, you know, there are all this research that's been going around all around the world. And why can't we take, you know, pieces of what we know that really work and put them all together? So that's kind of what I did. So the supporting, supporting the immune system, you know, reducing the autoimmune reactions and, um, and even helping tissue heal even breaking down excess scar tissue, right? And then building new healthy tissue. So that's all part
0: of what the mesenchymal stem cells can do. Right. And I think one of the stories you told me before I did stem cells that helped me feel so confident and excited was you talked about your liver cirrhosis patient Mm. who experienced like this tremendous like liver recovery after one infusion, right? And I don't know how many CCs it was. Was it a lot? Two CCs. Really?
1: It was not very much. He's not a big guy, but it was a a very low Mm -hmm. amount and my, my protocol at the time was that he was supposed to come back in two weeks to get a second one. And he just never showed up. And I didn't know what happened to him until a couple months later, his brother who paid for the treatment, told me that he is completely normal, running around like a normal person, and I wow. got his lab tested and his liver was normal. This is somebody that was in hospice. So he was in, in deathbed, really. Wow. So to me that that was That was miraculous
0: and and, i mean you know it doesn't happen every day but when it happens that really gives you a sense of the power of these cells Absolutely. and so when i was thinking about the application for myself as someone with chronic toxicity and that's like a common thing among breast implant illness patients you know i know that you could regenerate me back to being like a fetus and i would still be sick if i was toxic right toxic toxicity (laughs) is still go i could be a 10 year old and if i have this high exposure to toxic chemicals, I'm still going to be dealing with those things. Like stencils do not in themselves detox your body. However, I know personally that my organs of detox have suffered over the years. You know, they've been trying to move this stuff out and, and you know, they have aged in that process. So rejuvenating my liver is going to make that a better liver to continue mm-hmm. to eliminate And I think that's exactly what I saw. Like I saw an increase in vitality and an increase in, in a a youth feeling and energy. And then that was sort of followed by unfortunately or fortunately like another kind of onslaught of detox. So it's almost like the body is like, great, you can handle even more. Like we're going to mobilize even more out of tissue. And this is, this is the story of my life. Like I'll have a really great day followed by a really bad, you know, that's just how it happens. Right. It's just, our bodies are really smart and they, they know what you can handle, but but yeah, so I'm excited to work more with stem cells. I'm glad I, you know, did it later in the process after detoxing more. And and like, it's a huge tool. Like, I, I think it's like an, a cornerstone tool.
1: Yeah, I call it the engine for the body. So the, the body is like a vehicle, a car, and you need really pristine, good, high-powered engine to get you to where you want to go. But, um, you know, a lot of people are putting everything they could, you know, all the vitamins, all the, you know, minerals and all, you know, light therapy. But if the engine is barely going, right, it's running down. Because as we get older, the number of stem cells and their potency have decreased drastically. So then the engine is, you know, is, is barely, is not really keeping up. So if you want this to be a powerful Ferrari and to really take you, you know, places and you know, with high speed and for a long time, then you need to upgrade your engine. So I think that's what's missing in a lot of the the functional medicine until stem cells came along because it can revamp your engine. So there are a lot of things we can do, which are all important. And I'm a big fan of all these biohacking methods, Um, but you've got to address the engine and the fuel. So everything else we're doing, I feel like are the fuel, to To help the engine to function better,
0: and like, could you speak a little bit about the senescent cells and stem cells and how they interact? And
1: well, the senescent cells. So as we get older, you know, we accumulate these old cells that are just not functioning very well. So stem cells actually, um, they are able to detect. So not only they boost your immune system, which will help you. Like the
0: NK cells yeah, that will kill help, the
1: senescent. Exactly. Will help you get rid of the senescent cells. But if a cell is not functioning well and they're too old, the stem cells have a way of detecting, this is a cell that doesn't belong. So just like pre-cancer cells. Um, so they can detect cells that are not functioning optimally. Mm-hmm. And they're able to send signals to send these cells onto a death path. And then they can be gone and then the new cells can come along because as long as they're occupying the physical space and they're not doing their, their job, mm-hmm. there's a Chinese saying that's really funny. I'm not going to say it. Cause it, it they, said, they said you're sitting on the toilet, but you're not, you know, you're not yeah. producing
0: anything. Yeah, there's an American saying. Like <laughs> really? That too. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say that. It. It's very booger, but people probably know.
1: Right. So these senescent cells are like those, you know, yeah. folks that are just sitting on, on the spot that's not doing anything. You got to get rhythm so your body can regenerate, you know.
0: And and they're not it's not that they're not even doing anything. I think they're actually communicating bad messages. That's true. So so they're kind of like sending out toxic signals. Yeah, so they're kind of throwing a wrench in the telephone game that's being played as the cells are being born and trying to to live to their full potential and they're giving them kind of a bad blueprint, right? Exactly. That's a danger of of this next And that's aging. That's what aging is. That's why we don't look the way we looked, you know, years before. Yeah. Some of us. Well you do, but some of us. Well, you, I mean, you look fantastic. Better than when we met, right? Do you think? I think I can see it. You don't have to say that, but I I think stem cells really really made a difference although I'm ready for more but my budget is not ready but uh, my body wants more But you know we're, we're, we're trying airing different things to see like what does exosomes do in isolation I actually like found them to be I felt so fatigued after doing solo exosomes and mm. uh, you know so many factors to say but, mm-hmm. but I think that like viruses play a role in that and like you were talking about the NK cell immune system relationship and it's very variable right the response mm-hmm. that people can oh I wanted you to talk about other bii patients because i think people who are listening might be because people have asked me about stem cells in bii specifically and i've oh, the in, breast
1: implant mm-hmm. I, I can't really say i've treated people with the you know I, I can't say that's breast implant you know produce problems i mean i have i've helped people who before they were doing surgery okay um what well, these are actually fat uh transfers they are okay. going to transfer fat to the breast because okay. that's another method right, right they think right. it's is, is more natural. Um, but a lot of times the newly transferred fat don't really survive. So like the necrosis? Can, or just No, they just, it. they did just, yeah, they've been changed from one place to another. And, you know, you'd be lucky if a third of them are still there, you know, and, and by the time it's you know, a month or two down the line. So, um, so I was giving patients stem cell, pre-treatment so to give their body enough of these regenerative potential and that really enhance the retention of these cells after they got the fat transplant
0: so was that an infusion in an IV or you were doing local injections no I was just doing
1: an infusion because I do believe that you want to want the cells to talk to your immune system and that's one Mm -hmm. of the, the 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 most pivotal power of these cells is that they are asking your immune system to come and participate right. to to help with removal of the bat cells and regenerating new cells. And, and so,
0: with my understanding of the way like an injury in the immune system works, I would I would imagine if you just had a surgery in this area, it's almost like telling the immune system like to hyper focus on that area. Yes. So if they're going in anyway, they might just be like pulling that fat out too, thinking it's inappropriate. And so, I could see how that would you know dampening that with stem cells, which are really anti inflammatory, could lead to kind of like a more balanced integration of that fat. Right. So that makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. The survival of the cells, the new cells, you know, it, it, it requires certain nurturing environment. Mm -hmm. So more regenerative environment Mm -hmm. without that, they probably would just wither. it's like, I don't belong here. You just suck me out of my, you know, my thigh. And then now I'm in the breast. So why should, you know, like they, they got traumatized and they, they go on to die and stem cells, um, one of the benefits uh, or function of mesenchymal stem cells is anti-apoptotic property, which means if the cells are damaged, they think they should die, they are able to send signals to prevent that programmed cell death pathway. So it really, you know, kind of halts them on their path to die. So then you're retaining more
0: so how right do, so how does that work? That's really interesting. Um, I didn't I've never I haven't heard that that particular point. So how does that work in relation to like the apoptosis that you want to have in with senescent cells? Like how Yeah, that that's
1: how- completely different pathway. I mean, that's the magic of stem cells, and that's something that you know why I'm always in awe, you know, when I treat patients, because the cells know. When it's cancer cells, when the cells are not don't belong, there's something really wrong with the cells these mesenchymal stem cells are able to send signals to, tell, to, to trigger them onto a poptotic pathway. Okay. They secrete what's called trail ligand. So that actually kind of lights up that pathway. So then they go down and die. But when the cells are semi-damaged, but really could be salvaged, um, like let's say you got a burn. Or you know some kind of mechanical damage, some kind of radiation damage, or even ischemia in, in stroke victims, um, the area that got damaged, they died. You know that okay. was severe damage. But then they would leak out all these cal- calcium these signals, and the neighboring cells would also all of a sudden decide, okay, I think you know it's time for me to die. Oh wow! But in those cases, the mesenchymal stem cells are able to say, no, 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 you don't have to die. You know, you you don't, you know, you don't qualify. Interesting. So, and then they are able to save save these neighboring cells
0: so you don't have to have massive lesions. Right. Isn't it so interesting? And I know you have a background in, in psychology or psychiatry, rather, yes. right? one of your diplomats. Um, I think it's so phenomenally interesting how on the local, like, cellular level, we see these parallels to just our social interaction in life, Right. <laughs> right? Yeah, intelligence. And right. that's what I
1: call... So
0: that's true, you know
1: the 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 bigger universe and the little universe. We are, you know, literally a universe. Yeah. We're walking around with all these, you know, what what ninety percent of our genetic material are, you know, microbes, right? So we're this walking universe. So when um, when 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 the the cells when they are senescent um, and when when they get older. Um, they lose certain intelligence, and that happens to stem cells as well. So, I coined the term cellular dementia. So, these cells, uh, you know, your stem cells are getting demented because when you put fat derived stem cells, which is from an adult person, you know, 40, 50 years old, uh, years of age, they have lost some of the intelligence that's, that were still contained. In the early cells, you know, comparing to when the baby is really young, or in the birth tissue, which is way younger than the baby's stem cells, when you use those really early cells and you put them next to cancer cells, they've done this in research studies. The the new the birth tissue derived MSCs next to um, this brain cancer cell glioblastoma, um, they're able to kill off the cancer cells, make them shrink and go away. But if you got fat-derived MSCs and put them next to these cancer cells, it helped them grow. They just get bigger and no bigger. No way! So that's that's the cellular dementia. They're so you're getting
0: saying, so so. This I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I just got excited. I got <laughs> so excited. <laughs> so finish, finish, finish. It is exciting. Yes, I wanted to because I've heard that in the in the in the in the people who criticize stem cells that they say they can drive cancer. Um, yeah. So yeah. Talk. Well, be, because I mean, I okay.
1: Watch my YouTube video. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are all MICs
0: created equal?
1: equal? I think I've seen that one. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> because stem cells from a, a birth tissue, which is kind of in between the stem cells from the newborn baby and the embryonic stem cell, they're kind of sitting in the middle because they got surface receptors that are very similar to embryonic stem cells that you just don't find in the stem cells in the baby anymore. So they're kind of in between because they got sequestered and, you know you know, they got cornered off Mm -hmm. in in very early in embryogenesis process. Okay. So these young cells are, have all this powerful intelligence that have gradually been lost as we get older and older. So it just, you know, it, it, it's...
0: So when people are trying to decide what type of stem cell infusion they, they need for their health, you're saying the older the patient is, if they're thinking about an adipose or even a, a bone marrow, which I would never do, but I know people do that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you're saying maybe think more about getting... Yeah.
1: Well, I'm a big proponent of birth tissue-derived stem cells because my mission is to give people the most powerful form of therapy, right? The most beneficial results, and then the least chance of problems mm-hmm. of of harm. So the best, you know, if you watch that lecture, it gives you all this research studies looking at the evidence of, of the the potency between these different cell types mm-hmm. and the, the safety. Right. So there's no there's really no equivalence that you know there there's no you know there's no confusion that these birth tissue drive stem cells are more potent and more powerful. And, and are safer. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it on myself. And I don't want to do it for a patient, especially. And I, I think if a person's over the age 50, 55, I really think they're just way better off if they just use a birth tissue derived stem cells. Got it. Okay. Um, and, uh, and besides, uh, you know, you may be using this for more of, um, you know, helping with your health and the, the condition that you're dealing with, but, but I'm sure part of it is also you're using it for anti-aging purposes. Oh, absolutely, right?
0: absolutely. Well, because I feel like toxicity took away a lot of my my youth and you know yeah. aged me, rap, aged me more than. Well, I know I have an aging gene, an SOD two gene. I see. So you know, I want to get it totally downregulated. But when it was really active in my, I mean, there's no way to know for sure that that was happening. But yeah, that was my perception. It's almost
1: impossible to do anti-aging treatments using your own. So how many times can you take your own? bone marrow or fat out and then reinfuse. every time you take something out and you put it back those things will do you know make its effect known you know and then they will die so it's not like they just because it's yours it's going to stay once you activate certain cells they are going to live a defined lifetime hmm. so so which means that you take your cells out and you put back in the body they go to work and they die, and you have just depleted your own
0: stem cell supply. Wait, really? Yes. Really, so you're saying, even though I am a self-regenerating organism, you
1: can you have only so many generations
0: you can de- regenerate. That's, That's why you run out of stem cells as you get older. Wow! So is there any way to measure like your level of stem cells, or can you look at correlations with telomeres, or like what type of? Do you have any metrics?
1: Well, I think the statistic and people have done the research study and looking at the you know percentage of uh, MSEs uh-huh. uh, you know, in relationship to total number of cells when you were born, yeah. every ten thousand cells is. A mesenchymal stem cells. Okay, and when you reach your teenage years, becomes one in a hundred thousand. So wow. that's tenfold less. When wow. you reach your forties, is one in four hundred thousand. When you reach your eighties, is one in two million. So that is the trend of the human species. You know, when it comes to stem cells.
0: And th- are there other cell types that follow this? Like, do immune cells follow this as well? Because I'm thinking, of course, about. I think it's probably going to be very similar. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about the. Um the NK cell transplants, of course, I got my brain is really like tunnel vision on NK right now. I'm just obsessed with that research, but I'm thinking about that as well. So taking them out, but you're taking only a little bit, you know, and then you're cloning them. So you're, and we're going on a side topic of doing (laughs) what you're talking about, but I just, yeah. So
1: I, you know, I, I think there's some research I've shown benefits, right. NK cells. And how they give um, aging mice, that's a progeria uh, model mice that they have premature aging. Right. It's because they're, you know, NK cell, you know, the pathway, they have d- defects, so they could kill off old cells. So just like young kids, young babies, they are getting old cells too, right? They constantly are, you know, their cells are getting defective or, or getting older. And then their body's so regenerative, they just replace it, replace it. So that's why they maintain; they're so plumb and so you know beautiful and resilient. But then, yeah. yeah but then, when you get older, you know we, we're losing that capacity. But these kids, they lose their capacity way younger. Right. So, so then when they give them stem cells. Um, well, these, these mice, they give them stem cells. All of a sudden, they look like young mice right. because they, they just got rid of the bad cells. So I'm just still looping on the idea
0: that when I take out stem cells from fat, that, so I think about that that's like a huge aging that you're giving yourself because my brain, I'm thinking about plastic surgery. I'd really go to BBL, right? You know, BBL is like this big trend in plastic surgery now where they're moving the fat around, taking it from the stomach and putting it in the butt. i Yeah, and then, you know, regular liposuction, right? So by that logic, is regular liposuction an aging procedure if you're removing quite a bit of your stem cell capacity?
1: That is, that, that's a good question. So what happens when they do liposuction and they're getting the stem cells? It's really not stem cells from the fat. The fat is the fat. They're getting the stem cells that are huddling around the blood vessels. Okay. So all the fat are still supplied by the blood. And then they're really getting the stem cells from the blood vessels that are in the fat. So in that sense, yes, you're reducing the number, the amount of tissue, the number of, you know, the amount of uh, blood vessels and the cells that are around it. So yes, you are reducing the number of stem cells, the total number of stem cells.
0: So and then this is going to sound like a stupid question. So if you're someone who loses a lot of fat metabolically. You don't necessarily lose your blood vessels because you're keeping the blood. Yeah, see, so yeah. I answered it, but I was, <laughs> I was talking it out because <laughs> it's interesting, right? I mean, our fat, yeah.
1: yeah, our fat. All right, yeah, our fat are important, but you know, it's you know, because they, they they blew up. You know, that's what we don't want. We want them to shrink to to a little little fat cell.
0: So, would you say this is a way out of a field? But would, I'm just thinking about the concept of removing for the body and then how it affects aging. So when we think about blood donation and the, any type of anything where we take blood out and the triggering of the mobilization of growth factors and immune cells from the bone, would you consider that to be an aging activity?
1: Well, um, there are only so many generations that you have. There's so many stem cells and they only have so many generations. So once you activate them, um, then you're, Activating means you're making them divide, right? So the more you divide, um, the less you have, you know, less to divide. Because there, okay. there, there's the hay, Hayflick principle. There's only so many generations you can divide. So okay. once you reach that number, then you can't divide anymore. But um, uh, so,
0: yes, then you're triggering that division. Okay. Then you probably have less generations left. That's so interesting. So, like previously, I would have thought of that as like a, like a, a, a youth, you know, your blood dip. You're getting all the, you know, especially when you put the plasma back in. But that's like a regenerative process. But I didn't really think about the compromise of, of creating extra division and like, but you no, know, babe. I, you know, I learned thinking about how you new know, infections age the immune system and like, oh, it's the same concept, right? So it does make sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're, they're I know they're you know different hacks. You know, they're they're, you know, people are selling well. PRP, machines. PRP, right? Right. So
0: you're doing that. You're taking it out to put it back. Well, that's not stem cells. So that just the the platelets. So, but it's moving immune cells out. Is, was, right. That's the point of the marrow, because you're taking blood out.
1: Okay. Not so. not
0: very much. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I feel so, so
1: they're they're, they're taking you it know, out they're far. they're kind of mature more mature cells, and then you put putting back in the platelets. That's end stage cells. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know how much you're you know really invoking the bone marrow. But um, I think the bottom line is. There's only so much your body, there's so much potential your body has. That's okay. why from our entire human history, the most, the richest, the most powerful kings and queens, they all end up getting older and die because that just, you know, no matter what you have, you know, even even if now you have some technology, there's still this, you know, the Hayflick principle. I mean, there's just only so many generations you have left and we know no matter how good you take care of yourself, your stem cell supply is going downhill like this. This is why it's so revolutionary that now we can infuse these declining supply and return the body to a younger state. And it's not only that, you know, in theory it sounds good, but also in experimental models, when they look at mice who they have infused, given stem cells, and then Dissecting, looking, looking at their muscles and their brain, and looking at the growth factor levels, looking at all kinds of inflammation markers and uh, the, the the neurotransmitter levels. Everything has reverted to the younger state, and that's how powerful the
0: sig the signal, the new signals are. So, by that logic, is the inf- especially someone like you who's doing regular infusions, right? You're are you are you also inf- in regenerating the stem cell? evolution like of the innate stem cells like if if so you're going back right see that see that's the catch-22 that i think about a lot is it something that's keep maintaining you where you are i mean i know we look younger but if it can't right Same so thing, devil's advocate here but if you, well, under, you understand my,
1: my own that. stem cell supply probably are still going down but because i got new infusions and they were able to replace you know they to to exert the benefits of what my own stem cells cannot time. do. Right. All of a sudden I'm brought back in my, you know, in, in your my markers age. and what you look yes. like. Yeah. Right. But
0: in theory, is it actually adding longevity
1: to your lifespan? Well, at least in animal models it has been pretty consistent that when you give some, uh, you know, an animal, middle-aged animal, <laughs> uh, regular stem cell treatments extend their lifespan by about 30%. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that's pretty consistent. Wow. So that's, you know, been, been verified. Um, and even if you give somebody stem cell infusion when they're 75, well, human equivalent age of 75, if you give them stem cells, these mice, if you give them stem cells versus not giving them, the mice that got stem cells at age 75 are living three times as long from the time of infusion to death mm-hmm. compared to the one that did not get And then they also live. they look a lot younger, their 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 mobility's great, and their you know their cognition's good. So it's it's been proven in animal models that it improves longevity
0: and the health span. Amazing. And I have a colleague who recently did like a really high, it was like four cc's of stem cells on her grandmother in her eighties who just had a stroke. And she just, you know, threw everything she had in her arsenal. And this woman was walking within like a couple of weeks of the stroke after being completely immobilized in her eighties. And you could just see like her face was brighter. And of course she was very tired after that amount of cells infused. I mean, she was resting for quite a while, but when she finally came back, it was You know, almost a miracle, especially at that age, to see that type of
1: yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, because it 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 gave her body all the signals that she has not been receiving probably for a couple of
0: decades. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it makes me want to like cry. It makes me emotional just thinking about the potential. And it's powerful. Yeah. And, and then, if, and then of course, it always goes to accessibility. Like, how do we get this to be a more accessible treatment? Because, you know,
1: I, I, I do wonder, because right now it's given as a tissue transplant. So it's still, you know, even though people think it's expensive, it's still fairly affordable. Because if you look at gene uh, editing, right. I mean, you've, you've seen the price tag, $750,000. You know, I, I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane. So there's part of me that what are wondering, you know, I'm wondering, Okay. So, you know, I'm thinking maybe when FDA approves stem cell therapy as a treatment, that would drive the price down because insurance com- companies are going to cover it. But then I realized, oh, then it's going to be under the control of these drug companies mm-hmm. who have gotten FDA approval. They could put the price way up. And then, you know, it could really be I chaotic. See. So so I don't know which
0: direction it's going to go. That's an interesting point. I didn't think about how that could be a problem. Monopoly. Yeah, that's what I'm
1: afraid of. It.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. that's a, that's a really So right point.
1: now, stem cells, because we use unmanipulated stem cells, so they are considered tissue transplants. So it was from one person, nothing's changed. You don't use enzymes, you don't grow them, and then you put in another person's body. So it's not that different from just blood transfusion or organ transplantation mm-hmm. so but if you start to manipulate and then you yeah it, it, and you don't count them as just tissue transplant then uh there could be patents yeah it reminds me of the
0: hydrofacial i was just talking with my esthetician about the hydrofacial it's a great facial but they have this proprietary solution that you can't do a hydrofacial without the solution yeah and they price fixed it so you can you you know that's why hydrofacials are like 300 bucks even though they could be like 80 bucks and it's because of the solution and it's and it is a pharma conspiracy no it's a it's a business i get it but
1: it's it's concerning so Anyhow, but we have to stop here because even though this is such an incredible conversation, it was great. But but Dr. Kate, you have to come back and we'll do this again. This is just super fun. So I hope you enjoyed listening to our chat and find this really interesting and maybe getting some tips for your own health. So if you really like this, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Joy Kong MD. And then wanna thank you, Dr. Kate. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. And thank you for making this great product. Dr. Kates, So if you're interested. the formula. Okay. Where can they get this? Um, at drkates.com. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoy the content. And if so, please rate and follow this podcast. To reach me, you can contact Uplift Longevity Center. That is Uplift with a Y. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Joy Kong MD. See you next time.